low. <laughs> With that British accent. I think, I think it was supposed to be. Hold on, hold on. I can do it better. Okay, look. Take it from the top one more time. One more time. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, 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 <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Amy. I am Ashley. If you are new to our podcast, hello, hello, loves. <laughs> we are Bad Movie Sunday. We are a podcast that watches bad movies, so you don't have to. We're gonna, we're gonna roast them. We're gonna toast them. And we're gonna have so much fun. We hope you join us. If you couldn't tell by your accents and the title, this episode is about Sherlock Holmes, but not the Sherlock Holmes that you are thinking about. I gotta say, off the bat, your English accent is actually good. <laughs> Mine was not. Um, just to warn everyone, though, we're probably gonna be doing that the whole time. So, uh, Sorry to all our uh, British listeners out there. If you are British and you are offended, we are so sorry. We take full responsibility for our actions, but we will not stop them. <laughs> all we know about uh, British accents are from Love Island. So that's, uh, that's the kind of quality you're going to get today. Love Island and Harry Potter. I'm t- Did I ever- Okay, I tell everyone this. <laughs> so I don't remember if I already told you this. But I learned how to do a British accent from Harry Potter, right? As I assume most of us do. <laughs> As a kid, loved Harry Potter, still love Harry Potter. <laughs> I learned to do a British accent not just by watching the Harry Potter movies and trying to copy Hermione, who was my absolute idol as a child, but also by I found the script to the Philosopher's Stone online and print it out (laughs) like 800 pages worth of script and uh, I would make my family run through it with me every day to practice my accent. Did they do their accents too or was it just just, uh, a British Hermione in a room full of Canadians? And uh, absolutely disappointed I was. I used to come to my family with my 800 page printout, which I am sure they were not happy about. (laughs) And I would put on a flawless Hermione British accent, and they would come to me with their Canadian ass. We gotta go find the Philosopher's Stone, eh? (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't. Actually, you can't tell me these stories without giving me a little sneak peek of what Lil Ashley sounded like as Hermione. Oh, girl, okay. Let me take you back. Let me take you back to little eight-year-old me. <laughs> we'll do a little time trial. You know what? I uh, Something I was going to say later, but I'll say it now. This whole movie, honestly, seems like an episode of Doctor Who. It's so bizarre. So we're going to take a little Doctor Who trip back in time. <laughs> I'll give you a taste of what it was like to grow up with me. So my favorite scene (laughs) from The Philosopher's Stone was when Hermione first meets Ron and Harry on board the Hogwarts Express. I memorized that scene verbatim. (laughs) Here we go. Take one. Has anyone lost a toad? A boy named Neville's lost one. 
oh, are you doing magic? Let's see then. <laughs> and then and then they do magic. <laughs> and oh. like, I mean, that's okay. No, carry on. Uh, I, that's amazing. I will keep going. If you, I have memorized the entire script to the Philosopher's Stone. We could forgo Sherlock Holmes entirely and just continue. We could talk about Harry Potter for the hour and a half. <clears throat> Has anyone lost a toy? Boy, I'm so lost. And then Ron and Harry, they got their wands out. <laughs> she looks at Ron. She's like, oh, are you doing magic? Let's see then. <laughs> and then Ron's like, <clears throat> sunshine, daisy, buttermellow, turn this stupid fat rat yellow. And it does fuck all. <laughs> and Hermione's like, are you sure that's a real spell? Well, it's not very good, is it? I've only done simple spells myself. But they've all worked for me. For example, Oculus Reparo. <laughs> and she fixes Harry's broken ass glasses. I always thought that that scene she was like fixing his eyesight, but it did, again, fuck all. So I guess she was just fixing his glasses. Well, uh, you bring up a good point. <laughs> Where are the fucking wizard doctors who can do like their magic LASIK surgery <laughs> to fix this, this guy's eyesight? Like... Glasses don't need to be a part of the wizard world. You know, they have uh, solutions for so many things. Why could they not fix your damn eyes? This is a very good point. We've talked on past episodes about how J.K. Rowling just unnecessarily goes into incredibly specific detail about random things about the wizarding world that we absolutely did not need to know. Wizards used to shit on the floor. Why? Who was asking that question? We need the real questions answered. Where are the wizard doctors? Where are the wizard orthodontists? Are they doing math at Hogwarts? Because they can like, do magic and turn themselves into ferrets, but they can't count to five? We need these questions answered. <laughs> no, literally. There is no fucking math class from the ages of, you know, 11 to 17 or whatever. You just don't learn math. You just don't learn English. You don't learn science. Science is a is a muggle convention. Why have science when you can have magic? Unfortunately, um, unless you're like pure blood wizard, you're gonna have to interact with the fucking muggle world eventually and uh, count to like seven or something. I just had what I'm going to call a brilliant thought <laughs> myself. There are so many. And I do mean so many dumb people in this world. What? And we all, all the time, we're like, how are these people, how do they not get basic stuff? The earth is round. We've known it since literally Greek, ancient Greek times. What if they're all just like wizard children that just straight up don't get educated? And they're like, yeah, I mean, it's flat, I guess. Looks flat from here. How would I know? I don't get that shit at Hogwarts. Okay. <laughs> That makes surprising fucking sense. But also I was just thinking, right? They have to know math. Not because everyone has to know a certain degree of math to get through life, but literally their fucking wizard currency. How do you eat? It's like, uh, yeah, you got one one shilling to a, a knuckle and then one, one and then 17 of of these fucking uh, piss pots to a equals 28 and i'm like what the fuck are you saying what these aren't even fucking even numbers girl i know that we give the states so much shit for their <laughs> their imperial system when honestly 
maybe we're biased because we're Canadian, but the metric system is so simple. <laughs> Can you count to 100? Great. You know how to calculate anything. But God damn, the States has nothing on the wizarding currency. It's the dumbest thing. It's a, oh, you want to you want to calculate what a what a wizard dollar is? You want to get a, a, a canut? Great. Do you know decimals? No, because you're 11 and you don't know math. <laughs> yeah, just like if I was a fucking wizard trying to buy something, I'd just like hold out my hands full of coins and be like, you pick pick them out, please. <laughs> just pick the take the take as much as you need. Like, I don't I don't know. Do you have this in your house? Because I've always had just like by the door or somewhere in my apartment. My family has kept, you know, like a not so much anymore, but like a spare change jar where you just like at the end of the day, you just kind of empty your pockets of like all the coins and, and shit. I would just carry that shit around and be like, you just take from my jar. Just take whatever you need because I'm not going to count it. You think I'm going to know what fucking uh, 16 sixpence to a motherfucker to shilling is like, what does that mean? <laughs> That's, that is a very good point. You don't have to even, it's not even going to be that heavy. You take one of Hermione's magic bags around with you, you could carry an entire bank's worth of stuff with you. I feel like the the probably the best answer, though, right? Wizard credit cards. You don't got to count, you, gotta, you don't got to count anything on wizard credit cards. You, you remember that scene from, uh, what was it, Batman and Robin, where George Clooney comes up with the bat credit card? Wizard credit cards, my guy. The easiest problem to math. <laughs> Hang on a second. Wait. But then, I mean, wizard technology, right? Uh, do they have, like, the kind of technology that would support a whole credit card system? Because, like, uh, Gringotts, right? The fucking bank. Their money is protected by dragons. Like, there's no... They've got, like, a fucking uh, <laughs> mine cart to get through. There's no, like form of technology that would be able to uh sustain like a whole they gotta get on this science train first they can't you can't live your life just getting around using magic you gotta get some science in there too take some fucking more than potions classes take some biology classes take some physics literally snape could he literally teaches potions for the majority of the books Potions is so closely tied to chemistry. Just, like, sprinkle a little in there. Be like, hey, what happens when you mix uh, uh, worm, wood, and butter beer? Uh, also, this is what an electron is. <laughs> just a little, just a little <laughs> sprinkling. <laughs> also, also, what you said about the banks. Imagine, I'm going to take you back. And you're 11 years old again. You just find out you're a wizard. Fucking giant breaks down your door and is like, you're a wizard, Amy. And you're like, oh, I'm a what? And then he's like, you gotta come with me to magic place. And I got, we got this magic bank. You're secretly rich. And you're like, oh my god, that's so sick. Thanks, boy. And you, you enter. There's goblins everywhere. This place is beautiful, gilded, ornate. He's like, we gotta take this secret entrance down the back. You go on this fucking roller coaster. <laughs> Going all through the on a, in a minecart, you're passing rows upon rows of bank vault doors. You finally you fight a dragon. <laughs> you finally reach <laughs> your vault door. You you spin the lock. You do some some code breaking. You open the door, and on the ground is a single credit card. 
It's all yours. <laughs> also, I'm not I'm not sure how long we've spent, but we are here to talk about Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. Right, a classic. This Sherlock Holmes, maybe not so much of a classic, but you know what? This is season three. We're not in our toasting season anymore. We're in season three, our have a lot of fun season. And, you know, even if this is not the Sherlock that we all love and know and expect, we are going to have a lot of fun with this Sherlock today. We're going to have so much fun. And you know how you know that we're going to have so much fun right off the bat from the first scene of this movie? It comes in with the first text that says made by the asylum our boys are back Uh, asylum to electric boogaloo we've already done one movie by the asylum we're back again baby the makers of sharknado are at it again you know when a movie pops up with the asylum at the beginning you are going to be in for a wild ride and that's exactly what we have for you today hell yeah this is one of the asylum's let's say, lesser-known movies. So if anyone hasn't heard of this movie, I do have a summary here from IMDb, and it says, Sherlock Holmes and Watson are on the trail of a criminal and scientific mastermind who seems to control monsters and creations which defy belief. Hmm. Now, we're not going to tell you exactly what those creatures are because we want you to experience it with us. But trust me, you are in for a roller coaster of a ride today. As usual, to go with the movie, we have got a specialty shot that you can make to drink along to this podcast, to the movie if you want to watch it, a drinking game for points to drink along to. We're going to have so much fun. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, not a shot today. We actually have a recipe here that makes 10 drinks. So you know what? Um, just like drink these ten fucking drinks by yourself. Who cares? These are the wild times. So the drink that we have today, um, I'm getting from thedrinksbusiness.com. They have a a list of like top ten literary inspired cocktails, and this one, you guys, you're not ready for this one. Ashley, you're not ready for this one. This is the Adventures of Sherbert Holmes. Ah! that's so good oh my god tell me more okay (laughs) it sounds good too okay again this makes 10 drinks so you can um you know mess with these measurements as much as you like so what you need is one quart of sherbet one bottle of champagne chilled one liter of ginger ale and half a cup of fresh blueberries washed for garnish. Don't get those dirty ass blueberries. Remember to wash them first. <laughs> so what you gotta do, super simple, empty the sherbet into a punch bowl and then pour the champagne and ginger ale on top and you float the blueberries and serve. And then, oh my god, this recipe, I gotta read you the last sentence of this recipe. Don't leave the room for long. You'll return to a fast empty bowl and a classic who drunk it. Oh, my God. Do you think the writer of this article is married? (laughs) Because I have a proposal coming for them. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you didn't tell me beforehand. That was amazing. Sounds delicious. 
perfectly on theme. All the puns. Oh, God, everything I'm looking for. <laughs> and we've got, you know, our signature drinking game to go along with it. Let's just go back and forth. And uh, if these things happen in the movie, we'll try to yell out drink as we go through our scene by scene. Uh, we might forget, though. So uh, <laughs> we'll try our best. So the first thing I have uh, on my drinking bullet point list is drink whenever someone dies. <laughs> Indeed, to go along with that, just in case they don't die, every time a monster attacks someone. Oh, very good. Okay, I had that one too, so my last one is every time Sherlock deduces something. <gasps> very good. Okay, I got one more, which is <laughs> a very specific one, but every time you see something, like a needle, a knife, almost pierce someone, and then the shot cuts away because they obviously didn't want to do the whole prosthetic or CGI thing. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Uh, so again, we're going to try to say drink whenever these things happen, but now we're going to get into our scene by scene. So if you want to watch the movie for yourself, uh, go watch it and then come back and hear our thoughts because there, there will be spoilers. And um, this is not a movie that you want to be spoiled uh, for before you see it because you really need to you really need to let the element of surprise kick in. Oh, yeah, you know, it's a Sherlock Holmes movie, baby. You know we're coming in with some twists, some turns. Oh, you're going to be very surprised. So this movie is kind of in the same vein-ish as, like, the Princess Bride sort of thing, where basically the whole movie is a story told by Watson to some girl. Mrs. Watson's daughter or something. So Mrs. Hudson off, or Mrs. Hudson's daughter, I think. Mrs. Did I say Mrs. Watson? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I meant Mrs. Hudson's daughter. They all have such similar names. So it's London during war times, and Watson is like an old man, and he's like, "Hey, Mrs. Hudson's daughter, before I croak, bite the bullet, swim with the fishes." I gotta tell you this one last story about me and Mr. Sherlock, and the daughter's like, sick, I'll write it down for you, and he's like, cool, and he starts to tell the story, and that is what this movie is about. So the actual story starts off with a ship that's getting attacked by a sea monster at sea. We don't, we don't actually get to see the sea monster, we just sort of see the guys, they're like, what's that? And they get attacked and they die. And... Sherlock and Watson start investigating this. They have to go ask Inspector Lestrade about it. They find out, oh, there's been this quote-unquote sea monster attack. And Watson, a little skeptical, doesn't believe in sea monsters. Sherlock is like, let's see what happens. Also, uh, before we get too far, I have a question. Because the <laughs> let me just say up front that um, I was confused the whole movie about the ca the case by the way if you're someone who likes to watch um you know bbc sherlock or or any of the sherlock uh shows or movies to follow along and try to solve the case maybe this isn't the movie for you <laughs> because the case i did not understand any of it getting that out of the way my first question probably out of a lot about this movie is 
Did you notice that Lestrade had, like, some fucking beef with with Watson? But they literally never explain it. Like, whenever they're in a scene together, Lestrade is just, like, straight up mean to him. Very good point. We, I think we have both seen this movie twice now. And it is still so very confusing. On uh, what exactly is happening, what the plan is, what's being unraveled. And yeah, that's true. Lestrade is just sort of bitching to Watson this whole time. And we don't really get an answer for it. (laughs) Yeah, there's literally this one scene, which we'll talk more in depth about later. But there's this one scene where Watson's running through the forest, whatever. He finds this old shack and he's like, I'm going to check out this old shack. And then uh, Lestrade just fucking out of nowhere comes behind him in the shack and he's pointing his gun at Watson. He's like, uh, get your hands up or whatever. And Watson puts his hands up and he turns around and he's like, oh, Lestrade, it's only you. I thought someone was going to kill me. And Lestrade fucking doesn't put his gun down until Sherlock comes in like two minutes later and Sherlock's like, hey man, uh, why, why is your gun pointing at <laughs> And there's like, the whole time he like... There's a sense of him, like, wanting to straight-up murder Watson, but we don't know why. This is very good point, and we will, trust me, we will get to that scene. <laughs> and we'll get into all the little nitty-gritties about uh, what exactly is going on between Watson and Lestrade, because honestly, we don't know. <laughs> so this whole <laughs> investigation thing, right? Sea Monster Attack, Sherlock and Watson start investigating it, and... There's one survivor of the attack that tells Sherlock and Watson what happened, which is basically, they got attacked by a sea monster, nothing they didn't already know, to be honest. And to investigate further, because Sherlock and Watson are like, oh, we gotta, we gotta find out the facts about this. There is a, and I am not exaggerating here, legitimately, like, five to eight minute scene of Watson rock climbing down (laughs) this cliff to try to see the wreckage of the ship. And the only thing he finds out about the case from his very dangerous, very unnecessary rock climbing trip was that people died from the attack, which is, again, exactly what they knew. From the first scene of this movie, they they open a newspaper, they're like, hey, there was a sea monster that attacked a ship. They go to talk to this one survivor, and he's like, there was a sea monster that attacked my ship. And they're like, we gotta find out more. They go rock climbing to try to see this wreckage, and you know what they found out? There was a sea monster that attacked the ship, and people died from it. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, but this is the funniest scene in the whole movie. Oh, let's get into that fucking nitty gritty of it, right? So Sherlock's like, oh, let's go investigate the giant fucking cliff where 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 the wreckage was at the bottom. So they don't go, you know, to the shore and investigate the wreckage. They go to the top of the fucking cliff and look down like a thousand miles. So they're at the top, right? And and Sherlock's like, Watson, go look over the edge and, and tell me what you see. And he takes one look into the ocean. He's like, I can't see shit, dude. <laughs> and then Sherlock's like, okay, 
Well, we're just going to lower you down into the water. So he ties his rope around Watson's waist, right? You know, so he doesn't die. And he ties, like, one fucking sailor's knot or something. And he lowers Watson down. And he's like, this should hold. And there's, like, only Lestrade, Sherlock, and some rando dude. And the rando dude is the one holding Watson up. And he's, like, kind of a shrimpy dude. And Lestrade and Sherlock are not helping at all, um, until Watson literally almost falls to his death and dies. Um, they're just kind of, you know, sitting back and, and watching. And then w- Watson is like, you you get a shot, like kind of a close-up of Watson rock climbing, and you're like, oh my god, he's like going to go all the way down to the bottom. And they give you a watch shot, and he's like two centimeters from the top of this giant-ass cliff. Down into the water, and he sees this like I don't even know what he he sees this like fucking dead body wash onto shore. Right again, the only thing he finds out is that there's a dead body in the water, and then he almost falls and, and dies to his death. And then they have to you know get him back up, uh, back up onto the cliff. And Sherlock's like, "So what did you see?" And he says, "I didn't see anything, but like he just saw a dead body." I don't understand that whole part. He is so unnecessary. But also, yeah, he was literally like, well, I didn't, I didn't see shit done. Don't you think that Sailor's family would like to have his body back to be buried or something? And he's just like, hmm, sucks for him. We're going to leave him there. I didn't see anything. Watson! <laughs> yeah, again, we've seen this like twice, right? So the first time I saw this, I was writing notes. I was looking at my my notes in the screen, and I thought that Watson saw like a tentacle or something from the fucking kraken creature that that killed the ship. So I'm like, oh, maybe he was freaked out and he didn't want to say, oh, I saw this fucking giant octopus creature because no one would believe him. But he just he just saw a dead body. Like, what what are you trying to hide here? Also, can I add, because you talked about when they pull back to a wide shot and he's so clearly still right at the top of the cliff. Not only that, but because they have close-ups of Watson scaling this cliff, right? And it shows like his foot going onto a rock and his hand pulling himself up. But when they pull back into a wide shot, it is so, (laughs) it is so clearly... If any of you lovely listeners have ever watched the 1966 Batman movie or show, and you know the scene I'm talking about when I say when they're trying to scale a building, and it's so obviously filmed where they're crawling on a floor and they just flip the shot (laughs) to make it look like they're climbing up, they do that same thing where he's so clearly just crawling on the ground on some rocks and they flip the shot. I don't know your your thoughts on on the entirety of the movie as as a Sherlock movie in general, and we'll get to that at the end. But I mean, even if it's not a great Sherlock Holmes movie, this scene itself is just the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, if you're only gonna watch one scene in this movie, please let it be this scene, and also at the end maybe something. But it's just so funny. It is so. <laughs> not gonna lie it is so good 
sadly, we will have to move on from this scene, although it is so good. <laughs> so the next day, Sherlock and Watson read in the paper. And here's where things get crazy, because we actually see what they read about happen in, like, real time. But Sherlock and Watson find out about it, and they go to investigate it. That what happened, in addition to this random ship getting attacked by a sea monster, a... How do I even... There's so many layers to this movie. <laughs> this kid gets attacked and killed by a... Hmm, a T-Rex? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me say that again for anyone that didn't quite pick up on it. A real-life Tyrannosaurus Rex dinosaur kills this child in the middle of London, and this random prostitute is the only one who, like, witnesses it and survives and tells the paper, and that's how Sherlock and Watson find out about it. But, um, first of all, this dinosaur is, like, five feet tall. <laughs> I don't know if this is a baby dinosaur or we just got our facts wrong today about how big they are. <laughs> it's just so funny to watch this little CGI dinosaur. It's like five foot tall try to intimidate these people. Also, can I just add, right, in this scene, there's a very important detail that's not relevant to the plot, but it is relevant to just my happiness. Okay, so... This, like, dude, right, is in is in the East End trying to hire a prostitute. And uh, the prostitute's name? The prostitute's name, I don't know if you've caught this, Ashley, is Mrs. Pitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very on the nose there. And this tiny dinosaur comes out and cock blocks him and... I mean, I just said, right, that the last scene that we talked about was the funniest, but this, this has to get a special shout out, because, I mean, the, the comedy in this scene is, you know, that the asylum comedy that you would expect. If you ever think you've gotten cock-blocked before, you're wrong. You got nothing on this random dude that got eaten by a T-Rex before he could hire a prostitute. And, um, again, the CGI, not great. If you thought, oh, I saw Sharknado, like, the CGI wasn't so bad. No, you haven't seen this movie. You haven't seen this Asylum movie. Because let me tell you, this dinosaur, it was... It's straight up not good. It was fantastic. It was so funny. <laughs> so this random prostitute is the only one to witness this T-Rex kill this boy. And she tells the newspaper, Sherlock and Watson find out about it. And they're like, okay, what's going on? We got a sea monster. We got a T-Rex. Both very implausible things that have happened in a very short period of time. So... They go to, like, seek him out. They find T-Rex footprints in the woods. They, like, hear some rumblings in the trees. And they find the T-Rex just chilling in the woods. And they get chased by it. They got to escape. And this is um, that scene that Amy was talking about before because they run into this, like, water pump station or whatever to escape the T-Rex. And they find Lestrade there looking kind of sus. And this is where Lestrade points his gun at Watson, and Watson's like, oh, oh my god, you scared me, I thought you were a bad guy, but you're just Lestrade. And then Lestrade 
keeps his gun at Watson until Sherlock comes there and is like, hey, man, what's going on? And Lestrade's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> Just chilling. This gets even wilder because after Lestrade leaves, they find out that the dinosaur stole a water pump. <laughs> what is happening? Now again, I don't know why. I don't know the circumstances of this case. There was a shipwreck and a dinosaur attack, and that's all I really know. Um, Sherlock and Watson uh, don't know either at this point why the fucking dinosaur decided to steal a water pump, and they explain it at the end, and I'm still not sure. But the thing that I want to draw attention to, right, is in this scene or one of the scenes surrounding it, Sherlock is wearing... Now, I don't know if if this... (laughs) was a thing in the 1800s, but he's wearing modern khaki pants. <laughs> really? In one of the scenes, he's wearing, you know when you go to Best Buy, right? And they got their little uniform, they got their blue shirt and their khaki pants. He's wearing that kind of khaki pants. Oh, you know, Sherlock Holmes. Best, Best Buy employee. That's his side hustle. Like, he can't rely on... He has to invent, like, a whole new job for himself, consulting detective, but no one is having it, so he's like, guess I'll just work at Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you need your... What do they have in the 1800s? Your horse buggy fixed. <laughs> what was Best Buy in the 1800s? Oh, they did have phones, and I just want to... I'm not sure which scene it's in i think it's coming up soon though but it's not very important but there's this one scene where watson is at work you know his real job as a doctor and he's at his doctor's office and sherlock's i don't know at their house or something and sherlock calls watson and they're both speaking on two completely different types of phones (laughs) one's like a fucking 1800s phone and then one's like a phone from like a, a suburban 1950s house like it's like a landline with a wire. It's, I mean... <laughs> we love consistency. <laughs> Things keep rolling from there, you know? This movie, I don't think, ever really peaks in terms of what you are surprised by. <laughs> we just keep rolling through. Sea monster, you think that's crazy? Nah. Dinosaur, you think that's crazy? Wait till you see what we got in store for you, the rest of the movie. So Watson gets a new client, because he's a doctor, uh, this, like, pretty Victorian girl. They're in the Victorian times, so that makes sense. And her sick uncle, who needs this, like, really strong medicine, because he Horton all over. And Watson is kind of into this girl. He, like, tries to ask her on a date, and she's, like, kind of into it. (laughs) But also, I'm not really sure. But, like, he can't actually do it, because... Watson needs to go do some more investigating with Sherlock. So the next place that they go to is this copper factory, because that's where they think the T-Rex is headed next. And they're right, because they find the T-Rex there and it chases them again. Uh, Sherlock gets injured, but per movie magic, he's completely fine the next day. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I mean, I gotta stop you there, right? Because this is another peak scene that I have no idea what what happened during. Because they were like, the dinosaurs chasing them through this copper factory. And then all of a sudden, 
Sherlock's, he, he stops running. He's like, ow, my leg. And Watson's like, hey, what's up, man? There's this giant gash in my leg. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Did the dinosaur get him? We don't know. He's just got a gash in his leg now. This is something that I think happens kind of a bit in this movie, but I also can't remember, is that people recover very quickly. So as we said, giant Gaffin is like totally fine the next day. And they decide that they want to go investigate a rubber factory next because they found some like traces of the dino's skin and it's made out of rubber. Also at the rubber factory, Lestrade is there again, acting sus again. Okay, Lestrade's whole story. Again, I'm just another thing I don't understand. Because we kind of get his backstory at the end, and we'll, we'll go over that later. But none of it explains why he's so sus this whole movie. None of it explains why he keeps pointing his gun at Watson. <laughs> and, like, I don't understand this, this side beef that they've got going. The first time I was watching it, that scene where Lestrade's pointing his gun at Watson, I'm like, oh, does he, like, not know who Watson is? Like, does he not remember him or something? But, like, the second time watching it, I'm like, obviously they know each other. They just have some fucking unexplained beef. Also, just got a mansion, right? In the scene where they go to the rubber factory, Lestrade is, uh, he goes inside to keep an eye on the shop guy because the shop guy is kind of, or the factory guy is kind of sus also. And then, so Sherlock and, and Watson are just fucking waiting outside, right? Sherlock's smoking. And then, like, the next minute or something, the factory guy just, like, flies out the window. His body is burned to a crisp. Um, they don't explain that either. Very precious few scenes in this movie are actually explained. <laughs> but this is true about Lestrade, that he... He showed up in that random shack when they were getting chased in the forest, and uh, Sherlock and Watson were like, what are you doing here? And he's like, um, same as you, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, oh, tracing the dinosaur, that's what I'm doing. Same thing at the copper factory, or the rubber factory, whatever. Uh, they're like, oh my god, Lestrade, what are you doing here at this crime scene again? And he's like, um, same as you. And he keeps acting sus this whole movie. And it turns out, he, that, uh, just the way he is, I guess. He literally just ended up being <laughs> at the right place at the right time. Yeah, complete, completely unexplained. That's just part of his character now. Um, no motivation whatsoever on his part. He just happens to be where he happens to be. Yep. And in that explosion that Amy talked about, uh, where the dude goes flying out the window, they find this stone that apparently is only used in the construction of this one random castle outside of town. So they're like, that's where we gotta go, because this stone wasn't used to build any other house. Which, okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna question it. <laughs> so that's where they go next, is this, like, old kind of villa-looking house. And they go inside, breaking and entering, <laughs> as they do, and they find a secret room with the dinosaur and the sea monster in it. And they're kind of scared at first. They're like, oh, we're going to get attacked. But it's okay because they were just like statues, I guess. And they also find a cyborg there. Keeps getting <laughs> crazier. 
They find a dinosaur, a sea monster, and a cyborg, and the cyborg attacks them. It comes to life. It starts, you know, walking towards them. And it turns out that the cyborg dude is that guy who needed medicine from Watson earlier with the hot girl. And it turns out that dude is Sherlock's brother. And you might be thinking, oh, Sherlock's brother, Mycroft? Absolutely not. You would think wrong. His name is Thorpe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. This is so good. (laughs) I love the name changes in this movie. (laughs) I mean, okay. Another one coming to you later, but oh my God. I know that Sherlock and Mycroft are kind of, you know, kind of silly names, but, (laughs) but Thorpe? (laughs) I mean, okay, so like if, if you're reading the original texts, right, and you're like, Mycroft, that's kind of a silly name, why don't I just name him Jeff? Or Jim or something. I would, I, I totally get that, right? But if you change Mycroft to Thorpe, Thorpe, my name is Thorpe Holmes. My name, yeah, Mycroft? Who's that? I, I'm Thorpe. Oh, yeah, it's me, uh, God of Thunder Thorpe. <laughs> nice to meet you, bruv. I'm Thorpe Holmes. <laughs> You know what I would love is, like, a fucking Sherlock adaptation, which Sherlock is in the public domain, so this could definitely happen at some point. But a Sherlock adaptation where they just, where he's kind of like the frat boy type you see on Love Island, (laughs) where he's like, all right, bruv, let's crack open this case. Let's crack open this case, shall we? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) My bruv Thorpe. <laughs> oh, man. Watson, let's go for a chat. You fancy going for a chat? Watson, you mind making me a cheese toasty? Right, what's all this then, Lestrade? What's all this then? <laughs> she's fit. I know she's a suspect, but she is fit, am I right? She is my type to a T. <laughs> She checks all my boxes, if you know what I mean. What else do they say on Love Island? Um, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, I think I got the right suspect. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. Anything can happen with Sherlock in the public domain. Anything. All of your Sherlock dreams could come true. <laughs> Sherlock Love Island, <gasps> literary Love Island. <gasps> oh my God! When you when you say anything can happen with Sherlock in the public domain, that sounds both uh very promising and also slightly like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the threat has been executed, uh, and we just watched it, Sherlock Holmes 2020, 2010 by the asylum. <laughs> oh God, Sherlock Holmes twenty twenty would be this movie kind of was. If Sherlock Holmes was in 2020, this was all. This would be all the crazy shit that that would be happening this last year. Damn, can you believe 2020 was last year that we lived through it? It seemed like last year in the last 10 years. Also, we're if you think 
for a second that we're done listening to all the crazy shit that happened in this movie, hold on to your damn horses. <laughs> Let me hit you with one right now. The lady that Watson was, like, kind of into, turns out she's a fucking robot. We just keep adding layers, don't we? She's, okay, she's a robot. Sherlock's brother, <laughs> the Horp, is, like, her sugar daddy or some kind of relationship <laughs> going on over there. Also, Thorpe Holmes, not my prof, uh, Thorpe needs this fucking Iron Man suit to survive. Otherwise, he will legit die. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's literally Iron Man, though. <laughs> that's straight <laughs> up Iron Man. This is Victorian Iron Man. <laughs> this is Sherlock Holmes meets I. If you have ever in your life thought, hmm, you know what my like five favorite movies are? I I love Sherlock Holmes, Jurassic Park, and Iron Man. Girl, we got the movie for you, and it's this one because it's all of them, and it keeps getting crazier. And I mean, we can connect the dots even further because I this might be the actually no, it's far from the last bombshell we're gonna drop today. But Sherlock, Sherlock's Sherlock's name in this movie. You thought, oh, that's weird. Um, they changed Mycroft to Thorpe. Well, hold on to your fucking horses because they changed Sherlock's name too. And you want to know what it is? You want to know what kind of silly name? They gave Sherlock motherfucking Holmes, Robert. <laughs> I cannot believe Sherlock and Mycroft, I think, are both equal on the scale of silly names, shall we say. And they thought, hmm, Mycroft, that's not crazy enough. Let's bring it one level further and call him Thorpe. But Sherlock? No, we're going to go the opposite route and give him a white-ass normal modern-day Robert. <laughs> the whole time I was watching that scene, I felt like, you know that Key and Peele sketch where it's the substitute teacher? And he, keeps, <laughs> he keeps saying the, the names like A.A. Ron and whatever, and then they're like, no, actually it's Aaron. And he, that part where he goes... If one of you says another silly-ass name, <laughs> that's how I felt this scene. Because what kind of parents, right, are like, we are going to torment this kid by calling him Thorpe. And then his brother, oh yeah, let's just call him Robert. Like, what? Sherlock is the younger sibling, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're talking Sherlock and Mycroft. But Thorpe? I mean, I don't know anything about this guy. He's not canonical. He's just some he's just some fucking weirdo that they added. Oh my god. This movie I I don't think was intended to be a funny movie, but oh my god, it's such a funny movie. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? As we said, this is an asylum movie. And the asylum like usually knows what they're doing. Like with Sharknado, they know how fucking bonkers it is. But with this movie, it I don't know. It didn't have... It was funny, but it felt like it was unintentionally funny. Whereas the Sharknado series and a lot of their other stuff is like, in your face, we know what we're doing kind of funny. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just picturing this poor 
child in like Victorian kindergarten just sitting in the in, the, in a circle getting their their attendance read out and they're like mm, Elizabeth here <laughs> Robert Robert Holmes is here hmm uh Daniel here Thorpe <laughs> I feel like Okay, we all we all know the memes about the kind of crazy futuristic dystopian names that babies are getting named now, like Nitrous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I feel like in Victorian times, the names were even more normal than our modern day names, you know? And they still were like, nah, Thorpe. Thorpe for you. I sentence you to Thorpe. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm looking up right now a list of the top names of the uh, 1880s, which is you know around the time this this takes place. So we got for the in the boys column we got John. Okay, pretty standard. William, James, George, uh, Charles. A lot of you know a lot of old names. We got Clarence, which is kind of out there, but not too much. We got you know Ernest. Got Frederick, Ralph, Herbert. I mean, none of them are on the level of Thorpe. Do you think they wanted to name him like Theodore, and they wrote down like Theo, but the person that wrote it down had like really bad handwriting? They were a doctor or something, and they were like, "What's that say, Thorpe?" <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds like a real name. <laughs> Poor boy. So Thorpe's whole backstory gets revealed here. Again, Thorpe is Mycroft here. So in this universe, Thorpe, I can't get over <laughs> Sherlock's brother used to be Lestrade's partner, I guess, as like a cop. And they went in to, they were trying to arrest him or whatever. And then Thorpe got shot in the back by Lestrade, so now he's super angry at Lestrade for, like, betraying him, uh, and he wants to frame Lestrade for all the crazy shit that's been happening with the dinosaur and monsters and stuff. So his plan, right? Again, I don't know what this has to do with anything. So he's already, like, unleashed the Kraken. He's unleashed the fucking T-Rex, or what we thought was a T-Rex was actually a T-Rex party city costume and now he and his robot lady they hatch this plan to just fucking kill the queen you know the queen of england and frame him for killing the queen <laughs> girl i told you this stuff keeps getting crazier first of all i don't know how lestrade would be implicated in any of this Right? Let's go over this plan, right? Let's, let's go over this beat by beat. So Thorpe wants to frame Lestrade for a sea monster attack, for a T-Rex attack. Don't know how Lestrade would be uh, connected to any of those. And also for blowing up Buckingham Palace, which... <laughs> You're like, oh, how are they going to do that? Are they going to, like, strap a bomb to Lestrade and force him to walk up? No, they're going to strap a bomb to the robot hot girl and make her blow up the palace. How that would connect Lestrade? I don't know. I think people would be like, I saw a pretty brunette lady 
and that's who blew it up. And I don't understand this plan. Also, I mean, we, we got to get into the details of this plan, right? So not only are they going to, you know, strap a bomb to the robot later, lady or, like, do some fucking electrical shit with her robot wires or something to make a bomb out of her in- internal circuitry or <laughs> what have you, but um, Thorpe, Thorpe Holmes, he sets the bomb inside the hot lady for ten minutes from now. Right, and right now they're at this castle in the middle of nowhere. Thorpe says to the hot girl, he's like, oh, um, you need to catch a train, like, right this second, and be at Buckingham Palace uh, within ten minutes. And she's like, okay, (laughs) and she goes on a train, which, I mean, a lot of things can happen on trains, right? You can get delayed, uh, someone can trip you, and the bomb will go off. A lot of things can happen, so this is not, like... The greatest plan ever. So she goes on a train or something. And she goes to Buckingham Palace somehow in the span of 10 minutes. And she's like walking up there, right? And meanwhile, as that's going on, uh, he has Watson fucking tied up or something to like a, a, a chair. Okay. And he also has Lestrade somehow tied up to a chair. But And then Sherlock, he shoots Sherlock, his own brother. Um, and tries to kill him, and Sherlock's like, ugh, you shot me in my chest or something, and he, like, kind of dies or something, um, so everyone's in, in, in a bad way, and then this is another part that I don't really understand, because Thorpe is like, okay, I'm gonna take Lestrade, who I've tied to this chair, also to Buckingham Palace. Not like I'm gonna go on the train with the lady who's already going to Buckingham Palace, but I'm gonna take Mm, you know, this giant flying dragon. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take him to Buckingham Palace in that. It is a it is a giant mechanical flying dragon that Thorpe takes to the skies. He's just and it and it not only does it fly and it's a dragon, it has like mechanisms inside it that shoot fire. Real fire out of its mouth, and he like goes to terrorize the city with it. And of course, because Sherlock Holmes is Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock's little flask or whatever stopped the bullet because it was in his pocket. So he's actually alive. He's fine. And he's like, I gotta go stop my crazy brother Thorpe. So he takes like another hot air balloon, and we get this dragon hot air balloon. Sky battle. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, right. So I don't even know where to start here. So Thorpe has taken to the skies, right, in his flying mechanical dragon. And Watson's like, oh my god, Sherlock, first of all, untie me. And Sherlock's like, okay, you're untied. Uh, and then, and then Watson's like, how did you survive this thing? And then he tells him how he survived the, the bullet to his chest. And he's like, Watson, I need you to go chase after that fucking rando uh, hot lady who's gonna blow up Buckingham Palace. Cause I need to go and stop my brother. And Watson's like, how are you gonna do that? He's like, I've got a plan. And he just, out of fucking nowhere, gets this hot air balloon. Like, this isn't even his house. How did he know? They didn't have a lot of time to explore the rooms of this castle. How did he know that his own brother had, like, a fucking hot air balloon stored away somewhere? Damn, you're right. Yeah, he 
somehow, somehow he knew that his brother had a second flying contraption. He knew exactly where to find it and how to operate it and how to battle with it. So, you know, if you uh, if you don't think Sherlock is the smartest dude of all time, now you do. And, and while he's off battling the dragon, uh, Watson goes after the hot girl to try to stop her from blowing up Buckingham Palace. And he, like, stops her by injecting her with some... I don't know. The the, the timer is, is so close. Counting down. Ten minutes are almost up. It's on, like, nine minutes. <laughs> like, eleven. Like, it's so close. And uh, he injects her with some magic time-stopping juice or whatever. And the clock stops. And the bomb doesn't go off. And they're all saved. Then Sherlock shoots Thorpe and kills him. <laughs> Sherlock and Thorpe are down on the ground again, and Sherlock shoots Thorpe and he dies. And also he frees Lestrade, and it turns out Lestrade uh, was innocent the whole time and didn't even shoot Thorpe in the back that one time uh, during the villain monologue uh, because it was someone else's bullet. It wasn't his, so they were wrong the whole time, and he's actually <laughs> Imagine... <laughs> Planning out, like, not one, but three separate terrorist attacks to frame this one dude, and you're not even sure if he's the dude that shot you in the back? Yeah, you'd think that would be the first thing you'd look into, is like, hey, who shot me? And if Lestrade says, wasn't me, you'd be like, okay, who was it? Instead of coming up with this (laughs) maniacal Bond villain type plan with steampunk dragons and dinosaurs. So, so, uh, Sherlock and Watson are, you know, that's, their part of the story's over and Lestrade is freed now and I guess no one gets framed for almost killing the queen because no one actually killed the queen. So it's, it's all good. So we return back to the, the beginning where old Watson is telling that story to Mrs. Hudson or whatever. And then at the very end, the Mrs. Hudson girl is like, oh, Mr. Watson, is any of that true or is that just one of your fantastical stories? And Watson straight up dies. This was was probably my favorite part of the movie. She's like, he finishes his story, he's like, and that's my story. And he's like, see, Grandpa, was it true? <laughs> he just dies on the spot. <laughs> and she's like, oop. <laughs> Damn, good thing he told that story at the exact moment that he did. And good thing it took exactly like an hour long to tell. <laughs> he sensed it. He sensed the end was coming. <laughs> oh yeah and and we do kind of get an answer for, for whether any of it was true because the girl is then in the next scene at his grave because he's dead now he peace out he pad my amidala that shit at the end he's like I don't want to live anymore we're at his grave site now she like puts some flowers there and she looks over and at the side of the graveyard is the robot lady So, suppose it was true. 
Yeah, so this evil robot lady is still alive, still out there. Do we ever find out <laughs> if Sherlock... What happened to Sherlock at the end of, of all this? Because we saw Watson's grave, and we saw we saw Thorpe's grave, which is what the robot lady was, was visiting. But I don't think we've seen Sherlock's. There's not a lot of closure in this movie. No, there's not. We don't find out if anyone got in, because there were attacks. Like, regardless, oh, they got the back... There were still, like, a dragon attack and T-Rex attack. We didn't get any... What did the people think of that, you know? Oh, you're right, Sherlock didn't get a grave. Is he still out there? He's still thriving, solving cases? I mean, I guess we'll never know. Oh, oh, wait, but maybe... Maybe we will know. Because I was... Oh, that's the end of the movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was doing a little bit of research on this movie. And when I say a little bit, I mean the tiniest bit. And I was looking up the actor who plays Sherlock in this movie. Because I was like, that can't be a real English accent. That has to be an American with it. Turns out, according to the Arthur Conan Doyle encyclopedia, he is a British actor. So my apologies to Ben Sider if you're out there. But I was looking up his IMDb, and this is the very first credit he ever got, is playing Sherlock Holmes in this movie. And then there were four others, and then the last thing on his IMDb page, right at the top, it says announced. Sherlock Holmes versus Frankenstein. Absolutely not. Stop it right now. Don't tease me, Amy. Is this really <laughs> happening? <laughs> it's really, truly happening. I mean, I hope, because there's no date set for it, but the idea is out there. The seed has been planted, and now we might get another Asylum Sherlock Holmes movie. I am elated. I am so excited girl because this movie you're right leaves so much open for a sequel god the potential could you imagine a sherlock holmes halloween movie with frankenstein and ghosts oh my gosh all in that beautiful steampunk aesthetic oh i am so excited and we could have parallels to this movie, because we don't know if Sherlock's alive or not at the end of this movie when Watson's old and, and dead. So we could have the beginning of the next movie is Sherlock telling a story about them, and then they go back into the past. I don't know who he would be telling a story to. Maybe Mrs. Hudson again. But he's he's the one telling the story, and then they go back. And there he, he's like, have I ever told you the one about Frankenstein? She's like, is this another one of your story? And then at the end, he's... <laughs> <laughs> we just go through all the kids. Then it's Lestrade. So he's like, have I ever told you this one, Sherlock Holmes? And then it's Mrs. Hudson, the first, the original, the grandma. <laughs> just, we go through all, we got Mrs. Watson. How many people can we kill off in their old age? I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this. Let's get into our overall thoughts about this movie, because I feel like you and I are both fans of some iterations of, of Sherlock Holmes. We've both seen the BBC series. What do you think? What do you think of his Sherlock? What do you think of um, this, I mean, just astounding case? Oh, yeah. Oh, the case, the case. <laughs> 
Yeah, like you said, I love, love the BBC show. The Robert Downey Jr. movies were so good. I watched Enola Holmes on Netflix. I really liked that. There's a book that I really want to read called Charlotte Holmes, I think, which is like a gender-bent Sherlock Holmes, which I'm really excited for. Sherlock Holmes is just so much fun. I love mysteries and finding out at the end and like trying to guess what's going to happen. It's so exciting. This movie, there is no, in absolutely no universe, no multiverse, no plausible reality. Could you ever have guessed the end of this movie? <laughs> yeah, um, a very bold departure from the original uh, source material. Um, unless... I mean, thinking about it, this is kind of like that movie Rampage with The Rock, where there's just like three random giant-ass creatures that he has to somehow kill or something. Just like that. Um, I did not imagine that to be a plot of an actual book, but I'm glad that they didn't follow um, a real Sherlock book. I guess the closest I can think of is The Hound of, of Baskerville, which in the in the original I don't remember how it goes in the original story, but in the BBC, that one wasn't like a, a real monster either. Yeah, this is this is the kaiju, the kaiju Sherlock Holmes we have all been missing in our lives. <laughs> oh yeah, um, wow. I mean, again, don't know if it was intended this way, but this movie was so funny. <laughs> Oh my god, the way it was shot, the the just increasingly dramatic events that keep going on, the reveals of, we gotta, just uh, all the different giant monsters that keep getting revealed. Wow. Like we said, this is our have a lot of fun. We did our roasting season, we did our toasting season, this is our having a lot of fun season. We're gonna have fun with the movies that we watch and Oh my god, I had so much fun with this movie. <laughs> as much as it sucked, it was so good, if that makes sense. It's, I mean, it's, you know, a typical Asylum movie. I, it was kind of on the, the lower end of the scale in terms of Asylum movies for me, but it was still a lot of fun. We do have a little bit of roasting to do, a little bit of toasting to do. I do have one roast and one toast that I wanna I wanna bring up, and I'll do my toast first. So uh, as I was, you know, getting letterbox reviews for this episode, everyone in the letterbox uh, review section was like, Arthur Conan Doyle would have been so upset if he ever saw this. But I gotta defend his honor for a second. I gotta defend the asylum here, because if there's anything we know about Arthur Conan Doyle, first of all. He was like a spiritualist or some shit. He believed that you could talk to ghosts, some some Ouija shit. I don't know. So he was kind of into some weird shit anyway. I'm sure he would have loved this. And second of all, he fucking hated Sherlock Holmes. Don't try to say, oh, he, he would have been so mad. He fucking tried to kill him so many times. But y'all made him bring him back. And I'm happy you did. But he hated him. Like, absolutely. <laughs> this is really good point, actually. I feel like he would be rolling in his grave in a good way. He would be laughing along with the rest of us at what we've done to his <laughs> poor, precious story. He would have been like, Thorpe, 
I'm sorry, but I thought I I thought I created a fucking weird ass name with Mycroft. But you've taught me Thorpe. I mean, kudos to you. That's what he would have said. Okay, um, Amy, you are a little bit more well versed in the Sherlock background, the Sherlock lore than I am. So I gotta ask you, Robert is not Sherlock's. Like that? Where did that? That didn't. They made that up for this movie, right? In no other iteration is Sherlock's real name Robert, right? No, I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, I think in the BBC one, he had like a normal first name that wasn't Robert, <laughs> and then his middle name was Sherlock. But in the in the books, I don't really know. The thing about the character, the characterization of Sherlock is like you can pretty much do literally anything with him because aside from very few things, his characterization is kind of all over the place. Like in some books, Watson will be like, "Oh, he's like a fucking neat freak. He tidies all the time," and then other iterations, he's like a, a slob. He lives in a in a junk house. So you can really do a lot of things with with the character of Sherlock and still have it be close to canon. Um, but calling him Robert is kind of pushing it. <laughs> this is true. In the BBC version, he's this kind of like genius dickhead. Um, in Enola Holmes, he's this super sweet, caring older brother. In this one, he is Robert. <laughs> can we can we talk for a second about Sherlock in this movie? Because mm, despite what I just said, Sherlock, I don't know, something was missing. Something was missing from the Sherlock, but I can't put my finger on what it is. But it feels like there was something missing. I feel like he didn't have as much presence as he usually does in anything else that he's in. When Sherlock enters a room. I don't know. He's just got this je ne sais quoi about him that you want to keep looking at him. Does that sound weird? That like he comes in, he does his deductions and he's always in power in the room. Whereas this one, he seemed more, I don't know, quaint for Sherlock. Yeah. The Sherlock in this movie, I mean, once I got over the fact that I thought that he was an American trying to play off uh uh, a British accent, once I got over that, there was still, like, he talks kind of quietly, and he's not very, I think, yeah, I guess you're right, like, the confidence wasn't there, like, Sherlock, uh, either he is confident, or he acts confident, and that's kind of one of the, the keystones of, of his characterization, but here he's just kind of like, hi, I'm Sherlock, um, I'm here to do a deduction, so... Um, please help me do my deduction. <laughs> like, he, he wasn't sure he was Robert, you know? <laughs> he was. He was the embodiment of Robert in this movie. It's absolutely true. I, and I feel like, too, like, a little bit of his heart with, like, to go back to the other iterations, in BBC, there's still, like, something about him that makes him the character, like, to, to give him character. He is not like overbearing but confident he walks into a room and he's the person in charge in enola holmes he is caring he's sweet he cares about enola 
he's the one that wants to be her guardian. He wants to protect her. And in this movie, he seemed very passive for Sherlock Holmes, who's supposed to be this fantastic detective. He just kind of comes in. He's like, so um, there's a dinosaur. So what's in the paper? (laughs) There wasn't much sort of character depth to him. Yeah. Yeah. I like the thing you said about Hart, because even in the BBC Sherlock, he comes off as this rude-ass, arrogant kind of guy. But as we get to know him through the episodes, we can see that he has a lot of heart. And that's played pretty subtly because it's, you know, more of a, a drama and this one's more of a comedy. But um, I think there's two ways you can do that. So either he has to, you know, have uh, a lot of heart but in a subtle way. Or he just has to be, like, fucking over the top. Like... I don't know if you've seen uh, Will Ferrell in in Holmes and Watson, which is something we're going to have to address on this podcast one day. But Will Ferrell, because it's a Will Ferrell movie, it's a comedy, it's it's a really over-the-top story. Like, his acting is obviously very over-the-top. It's the same kind of acting you would get in a lot of his other comedies. And this, this movie... The plot is so wild, so outrageous, so over the top that I think it would be better suited for an actor who could uh, play more over the top, like a like a really distinct comedy actor. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they just needed more character to him. He seemed very flat. That said, though. I really enjoyed the steampunk aesthetic of this. I, I mean, oh, I'm go- I said it before and I'll say it again. This seemed so much like an episode of Doctor Who. Like I'm talking the ninth Doctor with Rose Doctor Who season season one. You know what I mean? Um, just this stuff that happens in here with the robots and the dinosaurs seemed like an episode of Doctor Who. But Doctor Who also has a lot, like a lot, like a lot of steampunk episodes. So it really made me think of that. I don't know. I like the Victorian aesthetic. I'm kind I I don't know. I like it. Yeah, it was, again, the CGI was not great. But I do love, like, the, (laughs) the mechanical dragon at the end that nobody expected. And, like, just the, the... The kind of Victorian aesthetic that you would expect from Sherlock Holmes mixed with all kinds of just fucking wild shit. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Do you have any uh, further thoughts on it? I do want to say that I don't know if you've heard the news, but, you know, we've been talking a lot about the, the BBC Sherlock uh, right now in the last couple minutes. Um, have you heard that season five may or may not be happening? I'm... I'm sorry. What? Oh, yeah. So uh, apparently it might be happening, but it also might not be happening. So it could happen or it could not happen, but it's out there. Well, well, I'm very thankful for this news slash not news. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to confirm anything, but I also don't want to deny anything. Also, I don't know if I've told you this, but I just personal story time. I just got a new phone because my old one died. And my favorite feature of this phone is nothing to do with the phone itself. It's that the charger, the charging port in my old phone was like a USB type. So you could only plug it in with one side facing up, a certain side facing up. 
this one, you can plug it in any which way. So no longer as I fumble in the middle of the night to, to plug in my phone will I think of that scene from BBC Sherlock, where he's like, only alcoholics do that. Only alcoholics can't put in their USB on the first try. <laughs> you know what scene I'm talking about? The one that haunts me every day? Why don't I remember? <laughs> It's literally, it's literally in the first episode, and and Watson's like, how do you know who I got my watch from? But he's like, I see on your, he does this fucking deduction that haunts me every day of my life. He's like, I see on your phone that you have a lot of scratches around the charging port. Could it be because you're a fucking alcoholic and your hands are shaking whenever you try to plug that shit in? Like, it doesn't even occur to him that I'm plugging it in the, in the middle of the night, and it's a USB, so I can't plug it in, and you always get the USB wrong on the first try? Like, do you not know that, Sherlock? You gotta haunt me every day of my life? <laughs> hey, have you ever been inadvertently roasted by a TV character? But no longer. No longer, because I have my new phone with my USB-C uh, charging thing. Where it goes in any which way, right? So no longer will I have these fucking alcoholic scratch marks on the bottom of my phone to be roasted for. No longer will therapists approach you on the bus and ask you if you need help for alcoholism. No longer will members of Alcoholics Anonymous approach you on the street and ask you to join their help circle because you have scratches on your phone. Stupidest fucking thing. And I'm so mad because, I mean, my old phone was scratched up like I, like I was an alcoholic or something. But it turns out I'm just fucking stupid, Sherlock. Like, no shit. Did you account for that, Sherlock? I feel like a lot of his deductions are, in theory, like, very good and very smart. But when you factor in, like, common sense, <laughs> they're not. I love, I always, like, <laughs> that's so true. I just, like, you know, Sherlock is like, yeah, he must have been, like, a gardener because he's got dirt under the, I'm like, hey, what if I'm just fucking dirty, Sherlock? What if I'm just a big <laughs> Sherlock? You ever think I'm just a lazy, stupid big Sherlock? Not everyone's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Let me have my alcoholic scratches, Sherlock. Sherlock is, like, fucking roasting me, deducing me for literally every other thing other than dumb bitch disease, which I have chronically. Like, you don't know that, Sherlock? You don't know that some of us are just stupid? Some of us are just nasty, dirty people. (laughs) Some of us just don't know how to plug in a USB on the first try, does that make us alcoholics? Those could be two separate things. God damn, Sherlock. Damn, he really do be roasting us. I, I was a little bit sad in this movie that he didn't have any of those those zinger deductions. All of the deductions in this movie had, like, almost nothing to do with the plot. He's like, oh, yeah, this man you're autopsying, he's a fishmonger. And they're like, how do you know that? He's like, because he smells like fish. <laughs> they leave <laughs> Watson at the same time. He's like, because I've been around you for so long, I know it's probably not you that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I wish to. I mean, this is my last 
semi-roast uh, for the evening. But I wish, too, that there was a little bit more of that classic Sherlock Watson banter in this movie. There was a little bit, but there wasn't, there wasn't the level that you expect going into it. Yeah, I feel like the writing didn't have the same charisma and the same intelligence, as mean as that sounds, that Sherlock content usually has. Now we are roasting them. How do y'all feel, y'all alcoholics? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's not it's not the the Sherlock uh, writing that we've we've come to know and love. Uh, before we get into our reviews and the uh, the internet's reviews, first we have a new segment uh, on season three that we're adding in just for the hell of it. You know, because we've done a lot of toasting, we've done a lot of roasting, and it's it's easy to criticize these movies, right? But let's try to get our creativity flowing and try to say what, if we made these movies, what we would have improved. Uh, I think we kind of talked a lot about this already, but just to sum up, something I would have improved in this movie, the banter between Sherlock and, and uh, Watson, maybe some some better deductions. I feel like the deductions weren't a central point in the story like they usually are. We, we got to have uh, a more over-the-top Sherlock. What do you think, Ashley? What, what are some things that could have been improved? Yeah, I agree. I think the, uh, not to roast them, but the actors, Sherlock and Watson, I agree, could have had more chemistry between them. Sherlock himself didn't have enough presence to really stand out as this fantastic deducing detective. I think either, I don't know if a different actor would have done that or the writing or a combination of both. Yeah, agreed. The deductions should have had something to do with the plot instead of a random fisherman at the beginning. You know that one scene where he's like, I found this one rock that only comes from this one uh, castle place. Uh, so we have to go there. That could have been, instead of just making that into a one line, I know where this rock came from. So we're going to place where rock is make it kind of more interesting and as well <laughs> i know this is an asylum movie and maybe we're expecting too much one of my favorite thing about uh mystery stories sherlock holmes stories is working through it with sherlock you know trying to find out who did it who done it what what's going on and this movie i know it's an over-the-top asylum movie but like i said there's no way you could have possibly predicted what's gonna happen and maybe that's a good thing because it's unpredictable but maybe it's too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good point also i mean i love that they changed my <laughs> to thor and this isn't, this is like a, uh, not specific to this movie, but if they do have another Sherlock Holmes installment in the Asylum franchise, they gotta bring in every new movie, a different brother with a more ridiculous name. <gasps> okay, are you saying that Sherlock Holmes has like a billion different brothers and they keep bringing them in for new additions or it's the character of Mycroft that keeps getting different names every movie <laughs> I mean either way it's already confusing so it could happen literally e either way 
But uh, I do like the idea of Sherlock having just like an indiscernible amount of uh, amount of brothers that he keeps just bringing in. And then Watson will ask him like, hey, um, so like how many brothers do you have? And he'll just like never like every time he tries to answer, something happens and and they have to they have to look away. And then he just like never ends up answering. Oh, my God. That is so good to go along with that. Next movie, right? We got to rename Sherlock and Mycroft. What are their new names going to be? Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. So you got in this movie, (laughs) you got Sherlock is Robert. So it's got to be, like, even more basic, right? It's got to be, like, Jim. My name's Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jim. My name is Bob. Bill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bill Holmes. Okay, I can, Bill we can Holmes. work with that. Yeah. Uh, and Mycroft. Mycroft's got to go the complete other way. We got to go. What's a crazier name than Thorpe? I mean, we we talk about this movie. Not this movie, but the movie I'm about to mention. We talk about this movie mm, every other episode, but I got to bring it up once more. Cats. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, knew where you were going. <laughs> he's gotta have like a cat's style name. It's gotta be like, oh, I'm I'm Jungle J Jungle J. <laughs> I'm Mr. Peepy Lapoo. It's gotta be like, oh, I'm I'm Mr. Bacon Tall. Like it's gotta be something. <laughs> Mr. Bacon Tall. I'm Mr. Deducey Woosey. I'm uh. uh, uh. <laughs> Hmm. What can we do for Michael? <laughs> okay, okay, right. It's got to be Mr. Mycroftus Latoftus. <laughs> Mycroftus Latoftus. This is mwah, chef kiss. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, we can't even begin to to try to beat the artistry that went into naming him Thorpe. <laughs> But we can come close, right? We can only dream. So, <laughs> those are our thoughts. Those are our improvements. Let's see what the uh, internet has to has to say about this movie. So, we have three, I believe, IMDb reviews that I'm going to read out for you now. <laughs> the first of which is by user Bogigal. Bogigal who gave it a 1 out of 10, and their tagline is totally awful. I watched this movie on Movies On Demand at home, and even with with the sound set at 98, (laughs) even with the sound set at 98, I could not hear, nor could I understand the actors. The lighting was so poor, I could not make out at least 70% of the scenes. The plotline was so hard to follow. The sound was part of that. I never understood where the brother got the money to build the sea monster or if he built his robot girlfriend. Instead of spending all the budget on special effects that didn't add much to the movie as a whole, they should have invested more in the staging. I chose this movie because so many of the other selections seemed shallow. (laughs) The fact is that this movie was trite and frankly wouldn't end. (laughs) Proceed at your own peril. You know what? They're right. <laughs> I had to watch. I watched this movie the first time. Honestly, didn't understand much of it. I watched it a second time to sort of get reacquainted with it. And I watched it with subtitles. 
And I got so much more with the subtitles because it is genuinely so... If you're going to watch this movie yourself, probably watch it with subtitles because it is kind of hard to understand them at times. Yeah, that I mean, that could also be because the plot is unintelligible. Like, absolute nonsense. Yeah, I do not see the lie. <laughs> the second is by user Michael underscore Frame, who also gave it a 1 out of 10. And their tagline is, what did I just watch? You know when you're bored and it's time to watch a movie, yet there's nothing on the box to watch, and you're feeling fed up watching Scarface for the 67th time? What do you do? Pop over to your neighbors and ask him if he's anything to watch? I did just that. And guess what he gave me? Yes, you guessed correctly, Sherlock Holmes. But that's not the Jude Law and RDJ, I said, to which my neighbor replied, no, it's not. (laughs) Okay, so let's give it a try. I popped the kettle on, I made a brew, sat back, and pressed play on my remote control. To quote Jack Lemmon, it's magic time. Sadly, it quickly became tragic time. I got past the opening scene and then onto the scene where Holmes enters the room where Watson is about to cut into the corpse. Holmes mentions it's 10 o'clock. You can actually see Holmes' eyes looking up and to the right at the clock. And you'll notice that the hands on the clock suggest that it's actually 25 minutes to two. (laughs) I got no further than that. Enough said. I thank you. P.S. My neighbor told me to throw it in the bin after I'd washed it. Wow. (laughs) Imagine... Imagine just, like, not getting that deduction right. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. I don't know. (laughs) That's such a, that's such a, like, power move, though, to stop watching a movie because the the prop clock was wrong. I kind of respect that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I get it. If if he's going to lie about the time, what what else is he going to lie about in his deductions? Oh, you're so right. Was that boy even a fishmonger? Did he even smell fish? Where did the lies end? And the, th- the third review is by user MikeMDP, who gave it a 3 out of 10 this time. And the tagline is, sure like this, Sherlock. Wait, no, I don't. Wait. I do, I think, dot, dot, dot. So maybe this Sherlock is really named Robert. <laughs> maybe he never says Sherlocky things like elementary, my dear Watson, never wears a double-brimmed cap, and is built like one of those... And is, <laughs> and is built like one of those... <laughs> and is built like one of those little lawn jockey guys... <laughs> jockey guys who hold the lantern (laughs) oh so maybe there's a giant metal dragon dinosaurs that walk around and roar and that's about it a kraken for no discernible reason and some flying creatures that appear in the trailer but i don't remember actually showing up in the film so maybe this sherlock sorry Robert. (laughs) Never actually deduces anything, never solves a mystery, never uses a magnifying glass to look at a clue. Maybe all he does is fly around in a hot air balloon and fight a guy in a metal suit that producers must have thought looks cool like Iron Man, but is more humorously reminiscent of some 1950s B-movie robot. Let's say all that is true. Because it is. (laughs) Does all that necessarily make it a bad movie? 
No, absolutely not. I mean, yes, absolutely so. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's really hard to think now that this movie has turned my brain into Dippin' Dots. Wow. <laughs> that was savage. But it's also kind of true, because the first time watching it, I was like, I don't know if I like this. And the second time I had a lot more fun, but I still don't know how much I like this movie. Oh, me too. I liked it so much better the second time around, but it still confused the hell out of me. Oh, it's got its ups, it's got its down. You know, this is a pre- this movie is actually a really good for this third season because we've gone past our roasting season, our toasting season. This movie is like somewhere in the middle between roasting and toasting. You gotta do both for it. And we definitely have had a lot of fun this season with this movie because, like, I mean. The half of the things just straight up don't make sense, and the other half are just so funny. Like whether it's unintentional or not, like it's just so funny. Uh, do we have any letterboxed reviews? Yes, we have three letterboxed reviews. Um, the first one is by Nathan Smith, who gave it one and a half stars out of five, and he says, "On paper." Steampunk Sherlock Holmes story with a dragon, a sea monster, a T-Rex, and a villain unlike anything seen in a Sherlock Holmes story. In reality, 80 or so minutes of horribly low-budget fluff and nonsense that comes together at the end to be the best episode of Doctor Who you've never seen. Yes, it's the usual Asylum mockbuster nonsense, but it has a bit of charm. I mean, you were onto something with the with the Doctor Who stuff. A lot it's of people seem to agree. The uh, the second review is by Erica Jacati, who gave it uh, two out of five stars. And Erica says, amazing things you could find in this movie. Sherlock Holmes and John Watson, a human-sized T-Rex, huge robots, best CGI 10 out of 10, recommended. The old drunk man running and screaming among the trees, which is, I mean, yeah, all true. <laughs> <laughs> and the third review is by Jay Kanakia, who gave it four out of five stars. And Jay says, fast-paced thriller, dot, 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 real adrenaline, definitely. We're <laughs> giving it another shot. That's definitely with an A, by the way. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so that was, uh, I mean, I think that's, really both of our reviews is you kind of have to give it a second watching to get a little more of the story and the plot, but not, you know, all of it. But now that we have heard what the people of the internet think about this movie, uh, let's get into what we think of this movie. For reference, what did IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes give it as a score? So IMDb gave it a 3.6 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 44%. Not very good. Yikes. Okay. Well, Amy, as I said, you are more of the, the Sherlock Holmes aficionado of this podcast. What did you think of this movie? As a movie, as an asylum movie, it was pretty good. It wasn't the best asylum movie that I've seen or that we've seen uh, for this podcast, but it, it had a lot of laughs. I gotta say, I laughed a lot during this movie. As, you know, as a Sherlock Holmes movie, also wasn't the best out there. But um, 
I mean, if you kind of ignore the case and the characters and all of that, and just focus on the fact that there's a dragon in it, and and his brother's name is Thor, you gotta just, you know, let all your pre preconceptions of who Sherlock Holmes is, you gotta let all of that go. And you just gotta embrace the, the Sherlock that, um is in this movie, which is unlike any Sherlock that we've ever seen, for better or for worse. Um, I'm gonna give it... I'm gonna give it a five. Because I, I, I did laugh a lot. So I'm gonna give it a five. It's true. That, that is fair. Um, yeah, I think this movie stands better as a fun just to watch movie than as a Sherlock Holmes movie. I think if you go into this expecting a kind of like BBC Sherlock or even Robert Downey Jr. kind of vibe, it's not the best in terms of a Sherlock story, but it is really fun to just go into and watch to roast if hopefully Corona is over anytime soon. Roasting it with friends is is really fun. Okay, we watched this movie twice. We watched it a little while ago, and then we rewatched it for this podcast. The first time, I gave it a 4.5. I like it a lot better on the rewatch, I think, because I could just enjoy it and just laugh along to it. I think I'm going to give it, like, a 6.57, just for how stupid it was, and just the the shock factor of everything that kept happening in this movie. Okay, I mean, it was fun. It was a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. I'm so glad that we brought this, because we were going to do this during our season two toasting season, and it didn't work out, and I'm a little bit glad that we didn't have to focus so much on toasting it, and we could focus more on just having a lot of fun with it, because it was a lot of fun. And, I mean, it's not a terrible movie, especially if... Like we said, Corona still rampant. If you have nothing to do and you're stuck at home, definitely, definitely, uh, with an A, recommend this. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think um, if you can deduce <laughs> from the uh, amount of time left in this episode, I think we're going to wrap it up. So that's all we have to say about this movie. But if you guys have any thoughts on this movie or if you have movies to recommend to us, especially fun ones, because there's a lot of fun movies out there and we're we're excited for this season. Um, so if you have movies to recommend, thoughts on this movie, you can uh, hit us up on Letterboxd or Twitter. We're at BMS Podcast. Or you can send us an email at badmoviesundaypodcast at gmail.com. Also, a big thank you to Kevin McLeod for providing our theme song music. The song is Riptide, which you can find on his website, incompetech.filmmusic.io. So thank you, Kevin McLeod. In the meantime, I'm Ashley. Oh, I'm Amy. And we'll see you next next week, bruv. (laughs) 